Do you trust yourself? Sometimes we have circumstances in our lives that cause us not to trust ourselves. And today we're gonna to answer that with an expert's help. Stay tuned. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tamara's Takeaways on the Stories of Hope and Hard Times podcast. And today I'm going to be answering a question along with the help of a seasoned expert. A few weeks ago, I put out a call in my newsletter saying, how can I help you? Do you have any questions you need answered that I can help you with? And I had a wonderful woman reach out to me and share a little bit of her story and ask, how can she learn to trust herself better having experienced abuse? And I'll read you the exact question here, but I did answer her. And after thoughtful prayer, and I was able to write her a long email and call her and talk to her personally, but I thought it would be important to bring on an expert to really dive in and answer this question professionally. Someone who has dealt with abuse and being physically and sexually abused by a spouse or by those who she has loved throughout her life, how does she learn to trust herself again? And so today I am pleased to bring on Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. She was on the podcast back in September of 2020. And I thought, you know, she is a sexuality educator and coach. She's a therapist, licensed clinical professional counselor in Illinois with a PhD in counseling psychology from Boston College. She currently teaches online relationship and sexuality courses and live workshops to people of faith, specifically targeting members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And she also maintains a private coaching and counseling practice in Chicago, where she lives with her husband and three children. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Finlayson Fife, thank you so much for coming on today's show to answer this question. My pleasure, my pleasure. So let me read this question for all of you guys to kind of get an idea of where this woman is coming from. First of all, a little backstory. She did grow up in a home and a family where there was abuse. Mm -hmm. and, and then she married someone who was into pornography and just was emotionally and sexually abusing her during their marriage. And so she mm -hmm. has that pattern of abuse that she's seen in her life. And so that kind of gives you the background of Mm -hmm. where she is, she is divorced now and she's been healing. She's been going to a therapist, but this is her question. Mm -hmm. I was sitting here going through some rather rough moments the past few days with this journey of healing from abuse that I'm on. And I came upon a question that is really difficult for me. The question that has come to me is how do I learn to trust myself again after mm. abuse has happened really trust myself and not keep falling back into the traps of feeling the abuse was somehow caused by me and whatnot mm -hmm. where is the trust in me that lasts 
And then mm-hmm. she said, because it seems that I need to trust me before I can really trust others, including the savior. At least that's mm-hmm. what I've learned. So I'm going to, I know that's like a series yeah. of, and many sure. levels of a question, but what yeah. would you say? Well, it, it definitely, first of all, I'd say she's certainly asking the right question of herself and of her life. And it's not an easy question. You know, I, I do think it's one thing to have fallen into an abusive marriage, but you were basically in a family that treated you well. There's still a lot to overcome because when you're with someone who is abusive, psychologically manipulative, is like mind twisting reality mm. that it has real impact. And especially if you care about that person, you're open to that person, you can start to have it impact your brain and how you make sense of who you are. So I've seen people that have been relatively healthy, got married early, um, perhaps, and then their confidence in themselves would go down in the context of a marriage in which they were always being questioned. So what might have been a little bit of a vulnerability turned into a huge challenge psychologically. Mm. It's even harder if you've grown up in a family or had an experience with parent child or someone else that was abusive psychologically sexually physically because you learn about a relational world from the beginning that's inherently exploitative that's inherently unsafe you are dependent upon this person that is abusive Mm. um and so you don't yet have a view of people of yourself of reality to be able to make sense of that abuse, except for the very narcissistic interpretation. I don't mean that in the, in the way that sometimes we talk, I mean, the just very self preoccupied position of, I must be the problem. So Mm. when I say narcissistic, what I mean is a child can't help, but have a very self-focused view of the world because they just haven't matured enough to understand themselves in a larger context. And so when that world is very unsafe, the only way they know how to, how to make sense of it is that I must be causing it. I must be the problem. There's almost the fantasy that they have more control than they really do. And there's in fact, some, even some perceived safety in that idea that if I act better, if I were better, if I am more quiet, when I come home from school, whatever it is that my, that I will be safer. So there's a lot of psychological and developmental reasons why coming out of an abusive home, you have the idea that you are the problem, Mm -hmm. that you are unlovable, that you are deficient, and that people don't really love anyway, that love is a Mm -hmm. fantasy or a feeling, um, but, or something you earn, but not something that's inherent to the way human beings are so please please keep going because i think i think i think Mm -hmm. you've nailed down the problem Mm -hmm. so how does she and obviously she's going to therapy but how does she reach how what are some baby steps that maybe she knowing that this is the challenge can now take to start um, maybe infusing truth into her soul, truth of yeah. how God views her, yeah. and 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 that she can make decisions 
to trust her, begin trusting yes. herself again. How, how does that right. process work? Good. So, so one thing I'll say, which is an additional layer of the challenge is that when you've learned to relate in this way, let's say that, that my lovability must be earned. Mm. Well, then you're very, very likely to start entering into relationships, whether they're romantic ones, friendships in which you're always trying to earn your value, whether or not, whether or not your friend thinks of it that way or thinks you should be trying to earn your value. That is, it's very easy, in fact, would be strange not to, to go and replicate this, this relational pattern. Hmm. So the reason why I'm saying that is because you start recreating the reality you know, and you're a participant in recreating it without even realizing that you are. And we all do this. We all tend to recreate what we know, even if that was highly functional. And so to get to the question of what can you do about it, the first idea, and I think this is part of the beauty in believing in the notion that there is a God who loves you unconditionally. Now, there's some flaws in how we often take this because often we will make God into our parent. We'll, we'll put onto God, a very conditional God, a God who's demanding, who's not pleased with us. So a lot of my clients are carrying their parent in their notion of God. Mm. That said, if you can believe in a God that is bigger than your parent, that actually does love you, even if it's hard to comprehend it, if you can believe in the possibility that you're worthy of more than you can feel or believe right now, that gives you, that's faith, you know, that gives you the hope to reach outside of your current understanding. And that's extremely important because that's what's going to fuel all the hard work of therapy, of going through a trauma therapy, of stretching yourself to engage with others in a better or different way, is the belief that there's something impaired in your current reality, mm. something limited in it. And so that, that first experience, that first faith in another possibility is very important and not to be taken for granted because it's easier sometimes to be cynical, to say, you know, everybody just uses everybody. Love isn't real. You know, I'll just get what I can out of this life. That's easy. I don't mean to say it feels good. And I, I don't even fault people that do it because it's, it's easy to say that's all that it really is. Mm-hmm rather than the courage and the, the anxiety of reaching towards something better, expecting mm. better for, of your, for yourself and expecting better of yourself. That takes real courage. And I really think that's what faith is, is you're reaching in the dark for something better than where you currently are. So the, the challenging thing, and especially, you know, coming out of anything abusive is that your mind gets wired up within that meaning frame, especially if there's acute trauma, that is traumatic events, events that were acutely and psychologically traumatic, right? Mm -hmm. Your brain is going to be in some level of reactivity. So that is to say, even if you could psychologically understand that all human beings are equal or that someone else who came out of an abusive situation did not deserve it, that when it comes to you, it doesn't feel true. You might know it's true, but not feel it's true. Mm -hmm. And that's in part because the mind is trying to keep you safe in a way by 
keeping that reality in place and trying to fend it, fight within it, trying to uh, struggle within that meaning frame. So how to say it, like if there's some safety in saying it's all my fault, because then I can change what's going on. Think about how terrifying the idea is for a child that I get abused and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, that's really the reality. But for a child, that's so hard to tolerate that they would rather say I am the cause. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes when I'm working with women in relationships, well, this is just one I have in mind. So that's why I'm doing it this way. But she's in a, in a relationship where he's always pulling all the strings, psychologically manipulative, really indecent fellow. But she would rather have it that if she's nicer, if she tries harder, if she gets him to read book A, B and C, uh, that he will turn into a nice guy. And she would prefer that idea of her fantasy of control over this situation to the reality, which is she doesn't have control over who this person is. And he's very unlikely going to ever treat her better because that's so terrifying in terms of what she wants to have be true. Hmm. In, in fact, tolerating what you don't have control over. Uh, yet that's her only way to grow into a deeper form of self-respect is to see accurately. Mm -hmm. So it seems like mm -hmm. you're giving us some little nuggets here. Mm -hmm. For example, um, first, seeing the situation for what it is. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so realizing it and the fact that, that, you know, she's in therapy and has somebody helping her heal yes. from all of this is a yes. good step to take. So find a counselor yes. uh, to help you start realizing the truth of what happened. Um, yes. it, but, it, but once you realize the truth, and especially that God loves you perfectly yes. as his child, how does it go from me knowing it in my brain yep. to feeling it and super internalizing it in my heart? I mean, obviously, I know right. God can help with that process. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So there's the first idea of just believing in another possibility because you wouldn't even go to trauma therapy. Well, maybe you could go for just looking for support or something for your terrible life. But if you're really hoping to change something, you're already it's an act of believing in another possibility. Um, in a good trauma therapy, I think there's two things that are happening. Um, and they don't have to necessarily be with the same person. But there's some level in which you're interacting with your limbic brain. And there's more and more research being done on this front. But when your brain is in some level of reactivity, when you're limbic, so to speak, when your fight or flight brain is taking over, your higher reasoning is hijacked. Your prefrontal cortex that can think, oh, that doesn't make sense. Of course, I didn't believe that. I didn't deserve that that's not even on board at that point because the lower order mind is trying to protect you and keep you safe. And so a good therapy helps you to process some of these traumatic events while relaxing that limbic brain. Now, this isn't my area of expertise. I only kind of know of it through trainings, but not the area that I work. So an EMDR therapist or a or certified, you know, trauma therapists will know a lot more about the different strategies for working with the reactivity of the mind. But this has, you know, there's some solid research on 
the effectiveness of EMDR and some of these approaches to settle the reactivity of the mind so that you can understand the story of what happened to you from a truer perspective, mm. right? That you're not just seeing it from the abused child perspective or the abused wife perspective, but um, that you can see it more accurately as that child did not deserve that. I did not deserve that because mm -hmm. you're not, you're, you're able to step away and understand what happened. And then, then similar to that is any meaningful trauma work is to understand more truthfully the mind of those that were unfair and indecent to you. Mm. Because a lot of times it's like, I was the problem or he was just mean or she was just, you know, she really didn't believe me. Um, and she really thought I wasn't being sexually abused. You know, some stories where mm -hmm. they go to a mother figure and she won't believe them. And uh, where there may be much more going on in that story that the mother wasn't willing to find out. The mother wasn't willing to believe the child or deal with the situation or deal with the other sibling or deal with the partner that was abusing. And being able to step into the minds of the abusive people as terrible as that can be, can help you to understand their mind enough to release yourself from responsibility for it. Mm. And mm. allow your mind to have a more accurate map of reality and of yourself. Mm -hmm. So there's, I'm going to give you four steps, I think. Oh, please, <laughs> so, please. so the first one is the faith in another possibility. Right. The second is some kind of a therapy that this is steps two and three, I think that can help you reprocess the meanings that's going to involve some level of working with your reactive mind, if that's mm -hmm. a factor, and then looking at the meanings and going with a therapist who's willing to walk with you into those meanings. That's very, very helpful because in some ways you have to walk into hell with your client mm -hmm. to walk out, back out with them, to walk back into the light. And that's very hard work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were saying to me right before the podcast started recording and just the client would come home and lie on the floor after these sessions. That sounds like a good therapy because mm -hmm. they can be very exhausting in terms of emotionally to kind of walk back into those difficult realities and reprocess them, to reconsider them, to tell the story in a truer way. But it mm -hmm. takes a lot of courage and a lot of um, perseverance and resilience. And when you have a good therapist, uh, she or he will tolerate that same process with you can be in there looking at things with you mm -hmm. uh, that can help a lot to feel that this person will bear this burden with me will care about this with me um it makes the journey more tolerable even yeah. if it's still quite harrowing it just helps mm -hmm. to know you're not alone on that yes. journey of reprocessing exactly. so much grief and so much trauma and so much heartache that's right and you so, can borrow their perspective a bit too, because yes. they aren't the one that was, they can say, no, you know, you did not deserve this, you know, mm -hmm. and while you still have to, on some level, lean into that or believe it or allow yourself to hope that that's true, it can help a lot to know that the other person can actually see it. Mm -hmm. It's not just giving you platitudes, 
can actually understand what you're talking about and can witness it with, you can borrow their perspective while looking mm -hmm. at the darkest corners mm -hmm. of your experience. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead though. I think you were. Well, I was just, I was just going to ask you really quick. Um, since we're on a Christian based podcast here, what has been your experience of how the savior helps to heal in instances like this and help mm -hmm. people? Is it possible? How, how do they tap into that power themselves and lean on the savior for that strength to mm -hmm. do this courageous work? Well, yeah, I think, again, it's sort of going back to the first idea. There has to be, it, it, well, I don't begrudge people that can't do this because just like the person who asked the question, like on some level, I have to trust in myself enough to even begin to trust in God. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're highly related. I mean, when we say love God, self and other, they're all very, very related. You can't really trust two and not the third. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. so, um, so it is, it is an act of faith to say, I believe there is a God that knows me and that cares about me and that cares about me beyond what I've experienced perhaps in my actual relationships. And even if I can't fully feel it to lean into that because it helps to lead you towards what's true and that God or Christ knows what I went through, knows mm. how terrifying it was, knows how unfair it was, feels for my pain, grieves with me. That is a very useful and helpful way to understand a divine being is a compassionate other that knows you and cares for you and wants you to thrive. And, you know, I know I, I didn't come out of a, an acutely abusive family system. So not saying that I know what some have to, to confront on this, but when I was an adolescent, I felt really one down. I felt I was insufficient on many, many levels. And I had grown up learning in a God that loved me and a savior that knew me and cared about me. And so when I was trying to address how little I thought of myself, I was really borrowing heavily this idea that they understand me in a way that I don't understand me. Mm. And it's bigger than what I can take, make sense of. And I would often feel like, I know it's true, but I don't feel it's true, but I would just tolerate that and say, it's okay. If I don't yet get it, I'm still going to act as though it's true, Ooh. which leads me to my fourth idea, <laughs> which is how you act. Sometimes I say this idea, which is self-respect or self-love is something you do more than something you feel. Mm. And just as I think loving others is something we do often more than we feel. When you do, if you're a parent of a child, you're often doing things that you don't feel like doing, but you do it because you love that child and you want them to thrive and you want to do what's going to help them grow up and be strong in the world, but not because you feel like it or you're not feeling loving feelings necessarily at the time. And so that is off. That's true with us also. And so often, um, you know, I work with people that maybe chronically quite depressed, right? And 
their behaviors accrue to deeper depression. Now, the depression, of course, makes it easy to fall into the complacent behavior. So mm -hmm. those two feed on each other very quickly. But oftentimes, it's harnessing courage to go do something that is hard, that you don't feel like doing, but you're doing it as an investment in you. So you're often your behavior is a step ahead of your feelings. And so it is an act of courage and faith and love to do things outside of your comfort zone as an investment in yourself. So this is back to the question of self-trust, that you trust yourself to do hard things on your own behalf, right? Like for me, I'm somewhat conflict avoidant. I don't like people to be unhappy with me. But, you know, when I would think I've got to go have this hard conversation or I've got to say this thing that I don't feel like dealing with or addressing, but as an act of care for myself to go and do that would actually help because it would help me see it as this is a way of doing right by me, doing right by the relationship. I don't have to feel like it. That's not as important. It's doesn't, it's not weird that I don't want the conflict or the discomfort, but it's an act of goodness. It's better for me. It's better for the relationship. It's better to come and have an honest conversation, even though it's uncomfortable. So a lot of times that has helped me to move forward, whether it's love for a child or love for myself to do something hard because the feelings come second. The clarity about who you are comes after the behavior. Hmm. I love that. And and our time is up. I mean, mm. I know you need to get onto another call, but thank you so much for helping us see that sometimes you have to take the actions and then the feelings come later. That's yes. beautiful. And yes. thank you for the rest of the advice today. Yes. I appreciate you. You're so welcome. Thank you. Oh my goodness, guys, I hope you were able to glean as much from that interview uh, with Jennifer Finless and Fife as I was. It, it is incredible to understand a little bit, to peek into the workings of the inner mind. It's something I often don't think about, but I loved a couple of key concepts. I'm just going to pull out and then we'll close the podcast. First, realizing that the way we perceive something might not be true and having somebody help us walk through it and see the truth that often things that we take blame for we need to shift in our brains especially if we've been in an abusive situation we need to shift in our brains and have somebody trained to help us through that and then um, do the work hard as it can be that and with the hope that it will get better that, that we can shed these layers of lies and years of abuse and replace it with truth I loved the, the idea that she talked about how we are children of God and believing that, that he loves us with no strings attached. He loves us, period. And I loved her example when she was a teenager. She didn't believe that, but she acted as if. And I love that fourth step that sometimes you have to treat yourself with love do little things that show you're loving yourself not only the therapy but i'm going to take care of myself and i'm going to take a hot shower or hot bath or whatever it is that brings you joy because i am a daughter or son of god and i love myself 
and probably praying for that help, praying that not only I can see the truth about myself and the perpetrator and see the truth about how God feels about me, but that I can then begin to feel and act on that love for myself. And I think she said, action comes first. So act and then feel that love for myself. And that those are often connected, that love for ourselves and love for God and love for others are connected. And I've always, I've always, always thought of that, that they're all connected. The more we love God, the more we can learn to love ourselves and others. And it's all interconnected. So if you're struggling to know where to begin, a desire, it seems a desire to change, to see the truth, to begin making progress is a good place to start. And it's good to know that starting with a desire is a good place. And that as you work with God and pro professionals, that they will help you progress on your path towards ultimate healing. I truly believe this. I know that I've been blessed to experience healing in my life and and I've been going through some layers of healing myself recently and I've felt God's love for me as I have made steps and tried to take steps to heal from some past traumas in my life. If any of you want to connect with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife, I wanted to be sure to give you her website finlayson-fife.com so f-i-n-l-a-y-s-o-n-fife-f-i-f-e.com and you can go there and you can she has some amazing workshops that you can look at there um, that you can attend either in person or a retreat but she also has um, some courses that you can access online if, if you're just not ready to talk to somebody quite yet, um, there are best-selling relationships and sexuality courses. So if you're struggling with yourself or with a partner, these are some really good courses to take. And um, she also has an amazing podcast on there that you can listen to if you want more detailed or specifics. Um, and so check out her website, finlisten-fife.com. And I will be sure to tag it in the show notes so that you can go onto my website, click on today's episode and find everything about Dr. Jennifer Finlisten Fife. Thank you so much for being with us on the podcast today. And again, if you have a question you'd like me to cover on a podcast, believe me, I will respond not only by myself, but if I feel that we need to take it to another level and have um, an expert chime in, I will go that extra step and find an expert to help us answer your questions. So reach out to me, go to my website, TamaraKAnderson.com or storiesofhopepodcast.com and hit contact me and just reach out to me with your questions. I'd love to hear them so that we can help you progress wherever you are on your journey. Remember God loves you and hope on my friends. Are you looking for a gift for a friend, sister, or mother who is really struggling right now and you're not sure what to get them? It's hard for me to sometimes find those gifts. And so 
Today, I'm so excited to tell you about this booklet, The Mother's Might. It's a perfect, simple, inexpensive gift you can give your friends, your family, your sisters, anyone that you want to share this story with. And it will be meaningful. It's not just a little piece of candy that they eat and forget. It's something they can read over and over again because so often we, as women, feel alone and overwhelmed and burdened and like there's so many things weighing upon our shoulders. And what I love about this story is that it points us to Jesus Christ in our times of trouble, that he understands us, he loves us, he knows what we're going through and he is more than willing to help us bear that burden. And I love that about this story, that it gives not only me hope, but it will convey that sense of hope for all of you. So get your copy of it today, tamarakanderson.com slash store. You can order one, two, 10, 20, however many you want. And we will get those to you so you can get them distributed. All right, now on to our show. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of powerful stories of hope. I know there are many of you out there who are going through a hard time, and I hope you found useful things that you can apply to your own life in today's podcast. If you would like to access the show notes of today's show, please visit my website, storiesofhopepodcast.com. There you will find a summary of today's show, the transcript, and one of my favorite takeaways. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this episode with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a quote or a scripture verse that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this podcast. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help you bear the burden. And above all else, remember God loves you.